Good morning. Take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark 4. It's so good to, to see so many of you that uh, have not been feeling well or and are now back with us for those who have been traveling and the Lord has brought back safely. And even those who have joined us online uh, but now are able to be with us in person. It's so good to see you today. It's good to be in the house of the Lord and and to have God speak to us through His Word this morning. So let's look at Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 21. And I actually want to read uh, through verse 34. So let's give attention to God's Word. And He said to them, Is a lamp bought, bought into be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as a, if a man should scatter seed on ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in, sickle, he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts, our large, and, and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much uh, that you come to us to speak to us today. God, we can so often take that for granted and just expect that you should do that. But Lord, there were times when there were famines in the land of your people. Not famine of rain, but famine of your word where you did not speak to your people. And Lord, we're just so thankful that this morning that you have given us your word and, and your Holy Spirit to bring that word to bear upon our lives and our hearts. And we pray that you would do that this day. That you would give us hearts, uh, Lord, soil that your word might take root and grow. We thank you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, the Gospel of Mark, if you've not noticed yet, we're in chapter 4, and so we're a ways into the Gospel. We, we still have a ways to go, but if you've not noticed yet, the Gospel of Mark is about the kingdom of God. That's a, a very prominent motif or theme in, in this Gospel. As a matter of fact, if you turn back to chapter 1, verse 14, uh, we see that Jesus, when he begins his ministry, he does so proclaiming the kingdom of God. Let me read, beginning in verse 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, 
and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You see, Jesus comes and he preaches the good news to these people. Okay, what is it that he preached? Well, he preached the coming of the kingdom of God. You see, for, for us today, we think that the true freedom is when we can do whatever we want. We think that that's the, the, the ideal situation. But what we don't realize is what the Bible tells us that actually when we're born, we're born as slaves to sin. And so we actually, when we do whatever we want, we really are not doing whatever we want. We are really, our hearts are captive to sin. And, and we're given to all kinds of things that uh, brings horrible consequences oftentimes into our lives. And when we take the time to stop and to, to really reflect upon that, we see that. And so God is gracious to say that he is bringing his kingdom, his rule over the hearts and lives of his people. Not, not as a tyrant to control us in some ways to, to make us do his bidding in some tyrannical way, but in a way of love and compassion in which he truly sets us free to live as he has created us to be. Now, the idea of God's kingdom is not something new just to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the people of God understood that God was their king. As a matter of fact, uh, after God brought Israel out of Egypt and he set them free, uh, made them his people, uh, he then took them through the promised land and he ruled over them as his king. As a matter of fact, they had no earthly king. The, the Lord gave judges to the people to sort of rule over and care for them, to be sort of the, the human interface in one sense. But God was their king, the ruler over his people. But eventually, God's people rejected God as their king. And they wanted an earthly king like all the other nations. And God, knowing that this was an act of their rebellion against him, went ahead and gave them what they wanted. And they, he gave them King Saul to, to start out with and then many other kings. And it's interesting, I'm, I'm reading through the Old Testament right now and reading through the various kings. And, and I have to say this, that there were very few good kings in Israel and Judah. Most of the kings over God's people led them into sin. And it's a sad and an unfortunate thing. But brothers and sisters, now Jesus comes to proclaim and to say, God has not left you to your own devices. He, he has said that He will come and He will rule over you. And so with the coming of the Messiah, the King Deliverer, uh, God's kingdom has come into the world in a new and a dramatic way. Amen? What good news for us that we no longer are left to our own devices, but God rules over us. And, and we see what kind of King it, Jesus is, and we see the, manif the manifestation of His kingdom what it looks like, even in these opening chapters of Mark's Gospel, uh, in chapters 1 through 3, Jesus demonstrates the power of His kingdom. Yes, He's preaching the kingdom, but we don't, aren't really told what He's preaching. It's more of a doing gospel. And, but we see that he, he, is, he is showing what that kingdom looks like, and that Christ has come, and He's taken the false king, right? Satan, the false king or ruler of this world, and he ties him up as a strong man. And, and he binds him up and he sets his captives free. You see, Satan has had this world in bondage, in, in sin, in, in sickness, even in the oppression of, of satanic beings. And Jesus comes in 
and he begins to set people free. And you see the glorious power and the compassion of this king who comes. But then in chapter 4, this is one of the, the biggest teaching section of Mark's gospel. He teaches. And in just in this one chapter, and what does he teach on but the kingdom of God? And how that kingdom is received by his hearers. Not only in biblical days, but also by us today as well. How that kingdom is received by his hearers. And what is the attitude we are to have regarding this kingdom. And how we are to listen. How we are to receive his word. And so Jesus challenges his hearers to believe and to receive God's kingdom. But the matter of accepting the rule of God in one's heart is not a small thing. Uh, you know, how you choose to listen to God and to receive the message of the coming kingdom really matters. And that's the point of the parable of the sower. You know, if your heart is hard towards God, you will not receive that gospel message. If you are an impulsive person who is quick to commit to things and you commit to the gospel, but then you don't stick with it and you don't follow through, you're not going to hear the message of the gospel of the kingdom. If you are a distracted person who you do consider the gospel and, and maybe even you seriously consider it, but then the cares of the world begin to take over. You begin to worry. You begin to fret. You're, you're tempted to be anxious about things and that's really what your focus comes upon then you will not hear the gospel message of the kingdom of God or maybe you like shiny things you like the riches of the world and, and you want reputation and all the successes of the world and so that's what you set your heart upon then, it, then you will not hear the message of the kingdom such people will never listen to God and receive his message of the kingdom by faith because they don't listen carefully with a single purpose of heart. They don't have ears to hear the message. And, and the passage that we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks, verses 21 through 34, uh, really is Jesus driving home this point of the parable. That how we listen to his word is, is really crucial and very important. It matters. And, and uh, he wants us to pay attention to what we hear and how we hear it. Look at verse 24, if you would. And Jesus said to them, Pay attention. Listen. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's what Jesus is saying. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. You see, he wants us to pay attention, to listen carefully this morning. He says, you must be willing to take pains, to strive, to give your focus to the word that's being preached. Open your mind. Soften your heart. Let the word of God penetrate to the depths of your heart. Don't come like oftentimes we could be tempted to, even as Christians, and say, you know, I really, nothing Pastor Rick said is new. And so we just sort of dismiss the words to or dismiss the Word of God to the fringes of our lives and say, oh yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that, rather than allowing that Word to come and to penetrate our hearts and to show us the motives, to show us the attitudes, to show us the actions, and to reveal to us truly the nature of our heart and the hope that we have only in Jesus Christ. 
Brothers and sisters, we need to weed the soil of our soul so that the Word might grow in our hearts unencumbered. So that you might hear what He has to say to you this morning. So when you listen to God, listen as if you were really, uh, if it were really God speaking to you. Because brothers and sisters, it is. When, when we read from the Word of God, when we exegete and expound what God's Word says, it, it is God speaking to His people. Paul writes to the Thessalonian church, and he has this uh, date, uh, this uh, word of thanksgiving for them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13, Paul writes, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. You see, that's how we are to receive the Word. That is how the good soil receives the Word that is planted in it. As, as we are hearing the Word of God and we are taking that to heart, understanding that these are words of life, that these are words of His kingdom that are coming to rule over our hearts because He loves us and He wants to set us free from the sin and the bondage that we have been under. You see, the Word, though, is not just what we preach or what we read in this book. When we read John 1, we also realize that the Word is a person. In John 1, 1, very familiar passage. Kids, you could probably quote this to me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I wish we had time this morning just to go through that one verse. It is amazing. But in that, we see that the Word... Uh, is, is, is a person and in him that is in the word was life and the life was the light of men as we see in verse 4 you see the good news of the kingdom of God is that Jesus himself is the light he is the gospel the gospel is not something apart from Jesus the gospel is not just a message or a presentation that if I just say these certain things then somehow that's going to make a difference in a person's life. We are really, when we share the gospel, we are introducing people to a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is able to come and to save people from their sins. I mean, even Jesus himself proclaimed himself. Listen to the words of Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Ryan used this as our, uh, as our uh, affirmation, or not our affirmation of faith, but assurance of pardon this morning. Uh, Jesus says, Come to me come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest you see our hope is in jesus and jesus says in john 8 12 i am the light of the world and so jesus is self-consciously proclaiming himself and and he was telling the crowds and he's telling his disciples and he's even telling us today that the good news of the kingdom of God is the coming of the king in person to reign and to rule in the hearts and lives of men, women, boys, and girls. And that good news is not for hiding, but is to make, be made known. Now, there's three reasons found in, in, in uh, verses 21 through 34 as to why we should listen well to God's word of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Three reasons why we should listen well. Three reasons why 
we ought to seek to have hearts that are that are good soil in which the word can take root. But today, I'm going to cover one. Okay, and when we get done, you're going to be glad that I only covered one because they're they're sort of lengthy points. So we're going to break it up over two weeks. Okay, so today I have one good point, hopefully. Okay, and that is this: that God wants to be found. One reason we should listen carefully to the words of the gospel is that God wants to be found. Now, you might think from the parable of the sower that the opposite is true. And like I said, Jesus is trying to drive home that point. If, if, I, if I had the time and the ability to do this well, I would love to preach on Mark 4, 1 through 34, because that's the, the, the whole section. But it's, it's too long, so we have to, to sort of break it up. And so uh, he's preaching on the parable of the sower. And I think sometimes people can walk away from this parable thinking that God is hiding the message of the gospel. And, and I'll try to explain why I say that. One reason is, if you look at verses 11 and 12, Jesus says, And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and repent. Now, those sound like words of judgment, which they are, that God is giving His covenant judgment upon His people. But sometimes people hear that and they mistakenly think that God is hiding Himself from people who want to know Him. That God is somehow being vindictive in the way that He deals with people. It doesn't matter you know, how we listen to God because God has already made up His mind and He either has given us understanding or not. And so He's being very vindictive. But this is not true. God is hiding himself from people who do not want to know him, as we talked about last week. As Isaiah preached this passage, which this is a quote from Isaiah, you know, it was to a people who had turned their hearts away from God over and over and over. And so God continued to send the prophets to them as an act of judgment, showing the hardness of their hearts. So God's not vindictive, but he's purposeful. You see, when God hides from people, it's only to give them what they want and what they deserve. And brothers and sisters, it's a terrible thing when what you deserve and what you want come together in the judgment of God. And that's exactly what happened for these people in Isaiah's time and even in Jesus' day as well. That they did not want God. That was their desire. And what they deserved was not to have God. And so that came together in God's judgment. Another, another way maybe to put that a little bit more clearly is this, that oftentimes when God brings judgment upon his people, he does so by giving them exactly what they want. And so oftentimes when God's people were rebelling against him, wanting to do what the nations did, what the people around them did, God's like, fine, you want that? I'll give you that. And then the consequences of their sins became real in their lives and they would cry out to God for deliverance but oftentimes he, he would not listen because he was giving them exactly what they want so God's not hiding the gospel from people who want to hear it these are people who don't want to listen to God so how you prepare your heart how you listen brothers and sisters is very very important you might also uh, look at the parable of the sower and think that God is stingy with the good news of the gospel. I mean, he has spread the gospel everywhere, 
But as we said last week, three-fourths of the seed that the sower sowed fell on unproductive soil. And you might deduce from that that maybe God doesn't want people to hear and to believe because most people reject that. But Jesus sets that straight in verse 21 by saying that the very purpose of God sending His Son into the world to be the light of the world and to bring the gospel and to dispel the the darkness is to show us that God wants to be found. Um, Look at verse 21. And He said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? Now, kids, uh, I don't know if you've ever, if you are old enough to remember the last time you guys had a power outage at your house at nighttime and all the electricity went off and you didn't have any lights. And so what did your parents do? They probably pulled out some candles or maybe they had a, a gas lamp, oil lamp or something, and they lit it. And did they put it on the floor? No. They, they took that lamp or those candles and they put it on something high, like on top of the piano or or somewhere else. Because if you put a light down low, all it does is just show a little bit around that light. But if you put a light high, you can see everything in the room. And what Jesus is saying is, you know, you don't light a lamp or, or a little, yeah, a little oil lamp like they had in biblical days and then take a basket and put it over the top of the basket, right? What would happen if you did that, kids? It would put the light out, right? Or what if you took that lamp and you put it under your bed? Is it going to shine light in the room? No. And he's saying in the same way, God sent his light into the world. He sent his son for the purpose of giving light to the world. Imagine this, kids. You were out camping in your backyard, okay? It was a dark, dark night. There wasn't much moon. And uh, you had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And it was dark and sort of scary outside. But you had to make your way from the tent where you're sleeping into the house. And you couldn't see because there was no moon. So you take a flashlight, right? Wouldn't that be a good idea to have a flashlight so you could find your way into the house? But imagine that you took that flashlight and you stuffed it down in a bag that was really heavy. And you couldn't see the light in the bag. And you tied up the bag and you threw it over your shoulder. And would you walk towards the house with the flashlight and the bag? No, that doesn't make sense. You need the light. You need to see the light. And, and likewise, uh, what he's saying here is, is that Christ has come. He has come to be the light and to bring the message. God sent his son Jesus to bring a message of light to the world. It doesn't make sense for him to send the light of the gospel only to hide it from people. So God is a God who wants to be found. He's a, he's a God who puts the lamp of the gospel upon a light stand that we might hear. So the message of the kingdom is never to be hidden, but always to be made known. Now, having said that, there, there was a sense in which Christ's kingdom was concealed or hidden in, in Christ as king. Okay, If you look at Jesus, okay, at him, you might not recognize that he was a king in those days, right? He was an itinerant preacher. He traveled around. He really didn't have a place to stay. And so he slept out under the stars or sometimes he crashed on people's couches in their, their houses and things like that. Other people supported this ministry. He really had no source of income per se. And you look at that and you think, that doesn't look much like a king. 
And then the crowds, when they rejected him, and they beat him, and they, they, uh, uh, they were handed over, Jesus was handed over to the authorities, and then nailed to the cross with the crown of thorns and the blood coming down his face, and, and the wounds in his hands and his feet, Jesus didn't look much like a king, did he? And so there are times when God's kingdom can appear to be hidden, where it doesn't seem like it is, is that, that powerful. Um, but look at verse 22. It says, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Okay, that word manifest means to be, uh, to be made known or to be revealed. For nothing is hidden except to be revealed or to be made known, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Now, parents, have you ever uh, taken things and little treasures or maybe on Easter some of you take eggs, I don't know, and you hide them in your yard and then you have your kids go and you look and they, they find them. And, and the reason you, you hide those treasures is not so that they will stay hidden, but so that they, your kids can find those. As a matter of fact, if they don't find them, you go help them find them, right? And, and while Jesus' kingdom may have been concealed to some for a time while on earth, that time soon ended. That it was revealed of who Jesus Christ was. When he came back to life, after, you know, when he was raised from the dead, from that time to the time he ascended, he, he rose into heaven, uh, Christ showed himself in more of his glory. We see once he was resurrected, not only did he come back to life, but we see that there were a number of saints who had died whose bodies were raised to life. This had to be the freakiest thing. I just have to tell you, in the Bible, I just think about this often. What would it be like to have your Uncle Joe, who's dead and a believer, and Jesus rise from the dead? Next thing you know, Uncle Joe's walking back into Jerusalem alive. But that's exactly what happened. That's not a story, kids. That actually happened. Okay? And not only that, but Christ, you know, is he's... Well, meeting with his disciples there in, in a room with a locked door and Jesus just goes right through it and appears to them. And yet he has a body because Thomas puts his hands in, in the wounds in his hands and in his feet and so Christ is physical and yet it's different. And you begin to see that there's something different about him. He, he sits on the seashore and he watches his disciples fishing and he's like, oh, don't fish over there, cast your nets over there. And they do and they have this huge haul and they begin to see that Christ is great. And then not only that, but then on the day of ascension, then they see him bodily float, rise up into the sky until he disappears in the clouds. And they see that, that he uh, is, is, uh, is by far very different and so Christ didn't remain concealed or hidden forever but likewise brothers and sisters the message of Jesus in his kingdom is preached today and while sometimes it may feel like it is hidden at first it will not remain hidden especially in the hearts of those in whom God is at work nothing can obscure it no shadow can engulf it the God who said let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You see, uh, Jesus shines into the darkness, into the gloom of the hearts of rebel sinners to chase the shadows away in the gospel. And so we must not forget that. Let us not fear that the gospel will somehow fail. 
And sometimes we may feel that way. As we're sharing Christ with others, it seems like no one wants to listen. It seems like people's hearts are hardened towards these things. And we might think that there's not much power, but that's not true. It may be hidden for a time, but the gospel light will shine and every one of God's children will be gathered in. Now, one of the, the characteristics of a spiritually healthy Christian, or even a spiritually healthy church for that matter, is that it seeks every opportunity in the providence of God to make known the saving grace of God in the coming of the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is to proclaim who Christ is. And that's something that needs that we need to reflect upon as a congregation. Is, is that true of us as a church? Uh, are we people who seize every potential opportunity to place Jesus Christ on the lampstand that we the people might see him brothers and sisters honestly that's the bottom line that's what the so challenge is all about just to get us to that point that in every opportunity that we even wake up in the morning praying for God to give us the opportunity that we might have to talk to someone about Jesus that we might see him put on the lamp and, and exalted before the world I mean because God is a God who wants to be found Jesus says in Matthew 28, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. We are to go and to proclaim the gospel because our God is a God who wants to be found. Can you imagine someone discovering a cure for cancer and then keeping that cure to themselves? Maybe using it for their own cancer and healing themselves but never telling anybody else? Oh, brothers and sisters, the good news of the kingdom of God is infinitely more significant than that because the gospel of King Jesus is the cure for the disease that separates us from God. And without that cure, we will be cast into what the Bible calls outer darkness, into hell to suffer for all eternity. This proclamation of the kingdom message doesn't have really primarily to do with activities. I'm not trying to give you a guilt trip to say, why aren't you sharing the gospel more? This isn't really a talk or a, try, a motivation to try to get you to, to be more evangelistic in terms of sharing the gospel more. I mean, yeah, maybe we do that more and more, yes. But really, it's a, it's a plea that we cultivate by God's grace sort of an evangelistic lifestyle. And that's more than just telling people, giving a gospel presentation. It's really not hiding who we are in Jesus Christ. As He rules over our hearts, as He changes us, as we walk to the beat of a different drum, as we read His Word and, and we obey it and we, we live according to uh, who He is, we see that sense of, of holiness in our lives as, as, as we see the work of the Holy Spirit, not because we're better than anybody else, but because... The work of the Holy Spirit is real. It, as, as Paul says to the Thessalonians, this is the Word of God that's at work in believers. And, and, and it's working in us. And so we don't hide who we are, no matter what the cost. No matter whether our friends look at us and say, you know, you're a fanatic. I don't know what church you go to, but I wonder if it's cultish or something. Because you're just a little over the top. You need to just tone it down a little bit. Or, or maybe because of the way you live and and the stance that you take and, 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 and the way that you act, 
that people then begin to put social labels on you that are derogatory because they misunderstand who you are and, and how you are living. We need to, uh, this, this uh, really has to do with living the kingdom of God, living in our lives the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ, unashamedly following Jesus as our king, submitting our will to his, and gladly so, no matter what pushback we get from other people, because God gives us the grace to do that, brothers and sisters. You know, I really, I, I think what I'm trying to get across this morning is this. The sort of a precursor to evangelism is holy living. That's the bottom line. It's holy living. If, you're, if your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is, is not right, if you're living in sin consciously and yet professing the name of Christ, you need to first be made right with the Lord. You need to walk after Him. You need to ask for His work in, in your heart. You see, the message of the kingdom of the King of the Kingdom, Jesus Christ, is for placing Him on a lampstand so that all may see, and in the mercy of God, all might come to Him. So Jesus is really saying here that anyone who wants to find Him can. But for those who, who don't want to find Jesus, Jesus is just too much trouble, and, and they will turn away from Him. And that's why Jesus says in verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. If you have ears to hear, listen. But if you don't, then your ears won't hear. It, it really reminds us of Ezekiel 12. This isn't a quote from Ezekiel 12, but if you'll turn back to Ezekiel 12, beginning in verse 1, it's really where this uh, saying, this idea comes from. Let me read what Ezekiel the prophet says. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of of a rebellious house who have who have eyes to see but see not who have ears to hear but hear not for they are a rebellious house you see the reason they cannot see or hear is that their hearts are rebellious against the Lord and so they have eyes that are closed and ears that are stopped up because they don't want to hear what God's Word says but brothers and sisters how we listen to God's Word is important so in a sense Jesus is saying anyone can find me who wants to find me so why do we listen to God because he is a God who wants to be found turn if you would with me to Isaiah 55 and I want us to, to close as we look at Isaiah 55 and verse 6 very familiar passage Isaiah 55 6 Isaiah the prophet said seek the Lord while he may be found. You see, there will be a time when God will not be able to be found. You could say he's unfoundable. I don't know if that's proper English or not. But anyway, there's a time when God will not be found. But today he may be. Your hearts may not be hardened. So he said, seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek him. I mean, I, I think of a teenager who has an iPhone and they're chatting with their friends and then all of a sudden they get so consumed with the chat that they look up in the corner of their phone, or wherever it's at, on an iPhone, I'm, not, I'm an Android user, apologize, but anyway, an iPhone, and they see that they have 1% left on their phone. And so what do they do? They frantically seek for that power cord, lest the phone go blank and they lose contact with their friends forever and ever and ever, for all eternity, or that's how they act, okay? And so they frantically look for that cord. 
We're to seek Jesus. We're to seek after Him with that sense of desperation and, and desire. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. You see, the Lord may withdraw from you. There are times when God is more easy to find than at other times. And as the Lord is speaking to you today, respond to that word. Don't just think, oh, I'll do that later. Let the wicked, he says, forsake his way. You see, you can't follow God, or excuse me, you can't find God by following sin. You, you can't say, well, I'm going to live in my sin and love my sin and, and, and cherish that sin, and yet I'll also then seek God. You'll never find Him. You can't find God by following sin. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. You see, the reason we can't find God is not because God has moved, but because we have turned from Him. And so He calls us to come and to return to Him. Let Him return to the Lord, that He may have compassion on Him, and to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. You see, if, if you're here this morning, and you realize that you have been hiding from God, maybe you think that the sin that you have done is so great, too great for God to forgive you, that you feel that there is not enough pardon for God to give to you. If you think, if it, if it were me, if I were God, I wouldn't forgive me, then I want to challenge you this morning, brothers and sisters, to listen to God's Word. Look at verse 8. Uh, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. You know, I think it's interesting that we oftentimes separate verse 8 from verses 6 and 7. And so we interpret verse 8 as God's thoughts are much bigger than our thoughts. Especially if we're outside at night looking up at the Milky Way and we go, wow. He is definitely so much greater than, than I am. And so his thoughts are much bigger than ours. And that's true. But that's not exactly the point that Isaiah is wanting to make here. The point that Isaiah is making here is that God's of God's willingness to take us back again. Of God's abundant pardon, as he says at the end of verse 7. That God's thoughts of mercy are bigger than our thoughts. Isn't that good news? Wherever you are this morning, where, 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 wherever you have been, if you have been that soil that you have been distracted with the cares of the world. Uh, maybe you are the person that's been impulsive, that you say you follow Jesus, and yet you're not following through, that, that He says to you that His mercy is bigger than you. Have you been listening to the Word of the Lord? Have you sought after Him to know and enjoy Him? Have you listened to God's Word knowing that He wants to be found? Brothers and sisters, I'm not just talking about salvation. I almost wish we could get rid of this whole thing of making a decision for Jesus Christ. Because we think that whenever it comes to finding God, that it only has to do with that moment in time. And once I uh, pray that prayer, I'm a Christian, then I don't have to worry about it. But brothers and sisters, our entire life is to be lived in fellowship with God, to find Him, to walk with Him, to enjoy that relationship. And it may be that you've been a believer for many years, but your heart has grown cold and, and weary, and you need to find Him. Have you listened to God's Word, knowing that He wants to be found? If you have, then you know 
what it is to find Him. If you have sought Him and you have prayed and asked the Lord to reveal Himself, then He has done so because He is a God who wants to be found. But for those who have not, let's read on. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my way, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Listen to this. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall never return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Boy, that's good news. You know, last night, I, um, well, let me just say this. My sprinkler system has not worked all year. And so uh, this past week, my yard really looked bad. Okay, the well pump went out on my sprinkler system and, and I need to get it replaced. And, and so the grass was getting drier and beginning to turn brown. And last night I decided I need to go out. It's been terrible. I've been trying to water it some, but when you're watering it from city water, you're just thinking what the water bill is going to be. So you try to balance that and not water too much, but enough maybe to keep it alive. And last night I was out there, you know, spraying my brown spots in my yard, trying to somehow, you know, get that to, to grow again. And I noticed that right along the driveway was a lot of brown. And so you had the driveway, a little gap, and then my grass. And I was spraying the, the hose, the water, on the edge of the lawn there where that gap is. And the ground was so hard that the water just flowed down the sidewalk or down the driveway, okay, in between the driveway and the grass, it didn't even soak into the soil because the soil was so hard. And I thought, ooh, this is not good. So I had to back up a little bit and spray not on the edge of the grass but in the grass so that maybe it would sort of capture it and let it soak down into that soil. And I thought, wow, that soil is hard. But Isaiah tells us, that as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It'll accomplish my purpose. And then last night in the middle of the night, you know, the Lord's like, Rick, your pitiful efforts are nothing. And the Lord sends the grace of His rain to come upon my lawn. And I get up this morning and I see that that water has soaked into that lawn. Okay, God waters that, that lawn. In the same way, brothers and sisters, His Word waters our soul. It accomplishes its purpose. God says, I will forgive you this morning. If your heart is hard like my yard was hard, God's Word can accomplish its purpose. He says, I can forgive you for your sin. If that's conscious sin, whether that's neglect of this word, whether that's giving yourself to the cares of this world, whether that's being impulsive about your relationship with God, whether that is maybe you coming to church and, and maybe coming to Bible studies and stuff, but other times you don't really focus on this word. You just sort of uh, delegate it to the outer parts of your life and you don't really let, uh, think about that. God says here this morning, 
Let my word come into your heart and bear fruit in your heart. Let it water your soul. Let it make that hard soil soft that you might see the word planted and bear fruit. And you will find out that my thoughts of mercy are far bigger than anything that you could dream or you could imagine. So brothers and sisters, why should we listen to God's Word? Why should we get such careful attention? Because our God is a God to be found. And He wants you to know that this morning. Please bow with me if you will. to us. We pray this morning, Lord, that you would work on our hearts to to make us hearers. Lord, that our our hearts would uh, be reflective of the good soil. That your word would take root and and grow in us. Lord, if we have neglected you, Lord, if we have sinned against you, we pray, Lord, that we would come knowing that there is forgiveness. Full and complete as Isaiah says, abundant forgiveness. Abundant forgiveness in you. We pray, Lord, that we would believe and trust. Turn to you, O oh God, to receive that forgiveness and you would work in our hearts. Oh God, help us to listen, knowing that you are a God who wants to be found. You are a God who walks with your people. You are a God who is known and who rules over your people. Let us enjoy that, we pray, Lord. Let us not be satisfied with morsels of your word here and there. And the Lord spending time separate and apart from you. But to enjoy you and to know you. And to share you with others that we come in contact with. We thank you, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.